Each stone was carefully placed on a bed or in mortar. Crushing, burning, and mixing the limestone was how the mortar was made. The mortar was similar to concrete and was also used for stucco finishing. Knowing what little machinery was available makes the hand creation of these structures even more astonishing. Civilizations cannot be created without division of labor, and the Maya were no exception to the rule. The role that each Maya would play was not at all like going to a job fair and picking your dream job. The Maya had a caste system in which your birth status determined your work status. Like the three levels of the world, the Maya had three social classes, the ruling class, the middle class, and the lowest class. The ruling class of kings and noblemen devoted their life to religion, war, government, science, and trade. Merchants and craftsmen of the middle class assisted the ruling class, while the lower class included the farmers, fishermen, and hunters. This small part of El Rey is the residence of the ruling class and some lucky members of the middle class. A nobleman probably made his home on the top of this specific platform. It only had one room, and the roof was made of palm thatch. Kitchens were often in a separate building that provided more ventilation. Can you imagine cooking in this heat? Can we have supper cold tonight, please? Please? Outside the city walls, the lower class made their homes. These homes were similar, made out of wood and straw. Many members of the extended family all lived together. All these people were necessary for the intense labor needed to farm fields of corn, beans, and sweet potatoes. While the lowest class was busy providing for the upper classes, the upper classes were busy devoting their lives to the study of the world. Though this system seems unfair, it is only because of this system that the Maya had time to develop the complex Maya calendar, sculpt and gain the vast knowledge of mathematics and the movements of the planets, stars and sun. I wish one of us had invented ice. structure. A tomb was actually found in this palace. It contained jade, ceramics, and other valuable objects, which indicate the importance of the person buried here. Today, these artifacts can be seen in the museum in Cancun. The palace likely served another purpose. Eighteen upright columns depict majesty and seem to be gazing down on those who approach. Its exact use is not known, but it was most likely the center for government, where political and administrative meetings took place. Meetings or topics were similar to ours today, trade, civic works, and defense. Due to the collapse of the Maya civilization before the Spanish arrival and the destruction of many of the Maya writings during the Spanish conquest, the details of how the Maya organized their government are lost. However, looking at their great works and massive structures, the rulers surely had some type of system for organizing labor. Many of today's governments have a separation between state and religious leadership. This would be unheard of to the Maya, for the primary purpose of government was predominantly religious. 
which means the king probably served more as a priest, who had civic duties on the side. Even so, government did play a role in the Maya civilization. As you stand in the palace, think of your own country's governmental meetings taking place here. Court sessions were potentially held here as well. The court is now in session. Let justice commence. Fellow Mayas, we will be one of the greatest civilizations in the world. A great civilization requires great leadership. This temple, probably a place of worship, sacrifice, and offerings, shows remnants of the role of the Maya leader, the king. Look up. In the center of the upper section, there once rested there the carving of a figure, most likely the king. Archaeologists have suggested that many sculptures of the king decorated buildings at this site, thus reflected in the site's name, El Rey, which means the king in Spanish. Although the king and the Maya people didn't know just how large the world was, large were their accomplishments. In their peak, the Maya discoveries were on the same scale of European civilizations that are commonly associated with the greatest developments in human history. While most of Europe was in the Dark Ages, the Maya were studying the stars, mastering written communication, and using advanced mathematics. It is no wonder the Maya are said to have been one of the world's greatest civilizations. But why are the Maya considered to be a civilization when other indigenous populations are not? First, we must look at what defines a civilization. Some experts define a civilization as... A set of people who develop a common set of social standards and cultural values for the purpose of accomplishing common goals that no single person could accomplish on their own. In essence, everyone has a purpose in helping the community move forward. In modern Western cultures, you would ideally get to choose what role you played. For example... Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? A firefighter, or an astronaut, or maybe a video game programmer. Other civilizations, however, choose the role for you, whether it be based on your skills or based on who your parents are. In the case of the Maya, your family name dictated whether you were a merchant, a farmer, or a politician. This type of selection or caste system was used by the Maya. Mom, I don't want to grow corn. I want to be a king. I'm sorry, sweetie, but it just doesn't work that way. Your father's a farmer, your grandfather's a farmer, so you will be a farmer too. Someone has to feed the king, and what better person to do that than you? The kings were also selected through the same process, through ancestry. It was believed that the kings were descendants of the gods. Whenever people came to this temple, they were greeted by carvings of the king, reminding them that the authority for community decision-making was granted to the king through his relationship with the gods. The Maya Empire was really a set of city-states, each with its own king. While civic duties may have been in his job description, the king's role was primarily religious. The people built pyramids and temples, like the one that stood here for the king. 
Let's listen in on a council session discussing these matters. But the king is the only one with the ability to communicate with the gods. How shall we make his job easier so our sacrifices can be accepted? Perhaps a sacred room? Yes, but not just any sacred room. One that stretches high into the upper world. By placing our king closer to the gods, our blessings will certainly abound. Let us take jade and other sacrificial objects and put them into the mortar. With their supernatural powers, it will truly be a sacred place. The pyramid was indeed a structure that raised the king above the rest. When it came time for sacrifice, people would gather in the plaza below. The king, wearing a headdress of quetzal feathers, would ascend the pyramid and enter the sacred room. Taking a sharp object, like a stingray spine, the king would pierce his body to draw blood. The blood, thought to provide sustenance to the gods, would drip onto paper. The king would then make his way outside where the people had gathered, and he would place the paper onto a sacred flame. The smoke would rise to the sky and create a portal between heaven and earth. Please, accept our humble sacrifices, as we are grateful for your creation. In return, grant us the growth of crops and protect us from outside invaders. And get me down from here before I pass out. <laughs> yes, no doubt the occasional king did get squeamish from his blood loss and being placed on such lofty heights.